Friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, my voice just, uh, I don't know what happened there, patrons, but uh, you know it's time for Sleep With Me, the podcast you support and that puts you to sleep. Thanks, patrons. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble getting to sleep, trouble staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to get, all you need to do, excuse me, all you need to do, or all you could do, or you can do, or you could see if you wish to do, or if you would like, wish you may, wish you might uh, have a lull from Scoots tonight. And you can do this in any order or not in this order. Get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. And I'm going to do the rest, or I'm going to do I'm going to do it where, for, so you can rest. Uh, and what I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place uh, where you know I got the safe place. I'm smoothing it. I'm rubbing it down. I'm talking about the ear pads on my headphones because, it, and maybe I'll talk about that on a tangent because listening is really important. So I could be here for you, but I'm going to try and create a safe place. But I'm going to create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's thoughts about this podcast intro or about the past, present, or future, or just, you know, calculations, anything coming up for you, thinking-wise. And the old the stinking thinking, you know, what makes me think is when people say stinking thinking, I say, I don't know if I like that term. And they say, would you think up that answer? And I say, yeah, kind of. But, uh, uh, oh, like, uh, so thoughts, feelings, anything you're feeling emotionally or physically coming up for you, I'll try to take your mind off of that. Uh, so anything feelings-wise or physical sensations, it could be changes in your schedule or your routine or, you know, whatever is keeping you awake. I'd like to take your mind off of that. Seriously, the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use lulling, soothing, creaky, dulcet tones, pointless meanders, superfluous tangents. And go off topic, which you've already witnessed a few times, get mixed up, all to keep you company while you fall asleep. And so if you're new, if you're a regular listener, I'm so glad you're here. This is the second intro I'm recording in 2021. And I don't know when you're listening to this, but I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad I can be here for you, the new listener and the regular listeners and the kind of listeners that are listen occasionally. That is one of my favorite things. I have so many favorite things, but it is hearing from listeners now that may have listened in high school or university or when they were when they were in their 20s or their teens, and then they listened in their, like, I haven't been doing it. I haven't gotten to the double decade yet, but I have heard from people that go from their, you know, education or their younger years to their first job to starting a family or people that are in other transitions, and it's just it's just really humbling. So thank you for sharing those with me. Uh, but for the new listener, I wanted to tell you a couple of things, a few things to note. This is a podcast you don't really listen to. You kind of barely listen to it. 
So just kind of pay attention loosely, which is kind of hard to do on the first time, right? You see, what do you mean barely listen? When's this podcast get started? When are you going to go to sleep? When am I going to go to sleep? And I say, yeah, no, those are very valid questions. I totally understand. And most people, when they get here, have those questions. The thing is, they don't really have clear answers either. It's kind of like, well, you just stop, you barely pay attention to me at some point, but it doesn't happen. For some people, it happens instantaneously. They listen and they say, oh, Scooch reminds me of that person in the park uh, that talks to birds and then talks to someone that sits next to him about how he talks to birds. And then he says, you know, then he makes, then he talks about squirrels and, uh, you know, tells us stories. Oh, do you know uh, Norma the squirrel? She was eating a, uh, uh, someone left a sandwich. And I said, they left a sandwich for Norma unintentionally. And oh, Norma, she climbed out of the tree and she took a look and her tail. You know, do you know, Norma has this beautiful tail and she climbed down and it was a, it was a, one of those jelly and uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Why don't they call those jelly and peanut butter? That's kind of what the podcast is. I mean, let's be honest. I just launched into my own episode uh, or a version of it. Uh, so at some point you say, if you're hu- like, here's the great thing. In the park, you'd have to humor that person. You'd say, uh-huh, uh-huh. And you might be thinking... You might have a variety of different feelings, but it may be, and I'm not trying to be insensitive to the person who's representing me's feelings, but it might be a little inconvenient. You say, you know, Scoots, I'd love to humor you here on this bench where you talk about squirrels and birds and talking to them, but I got to go. Or it just takes a lot of energy for me to humor you because I'm not really into listening to you. With sleep with me, there's no humoring. You don't have to humor me. You don't have to listen or pretend to listen. You could just be, you could pretend to listen, but that would be more for you too. You could say, "Uh huh, uh huh." That's like one of the soothing ways people can listen. Mm-hmm. But you're not really doing it. You, this literally dialing in. You say, "Uh huh, Scoots. Uh huh. Oh boy, really? Tell me more." That's like just a little technique that I you know I used to fall asleep to myself without the podcast. Period. So I'm a podcaster you barely listen to. That throws people off. The other thing they can throw you off is this doesn't show really doesn't put you to sleep. It keeps you company as you drift off. That's why the episodes are over an hour. Is so you have plenty of time to fall asleep. And if you can't sleep, I'm going to be here. I'm your boar friend, your boar bay, your boar cuz, your boar sib, your boar bestie, your boar bra, your boar burr, your boar bud. Uh, so, so that, that I'm just here to barely entertain you, whether you're entertained or paying attention, awake or asleep, because there are listeners that can't sleep. So I'm here for you if you can't sleep or if you wake up and you need some comfort in the middle of the night. That's what my job is to provide comfort. And you don't have to like uh, when you're listening, you don't have to whatever interact or anything. There's no social norms that you're supposed to meet. Uh, so those are two things for new listeners. A couple other things for new listeners that can throw people off. One is that a lot of this podcast throws new people off. Of course, you're going to be skeptical or doubtful. My voice is different. My, 
like a technique or humor or whatever is an acquired taste. And not everyone acquires a taste for it. So give the show a few tries. That's what regular listeners say. And just see, oh, okay, after the second or third try, I realized the podcast is for me or isn't for me. And if you know it's not for you, uh, yeah, I, I really hope you can find something that works for you. Some people know right away. And they, for some reason, those people have strong feelings. I have a website, com slash no thanks or no thank you. Either one will get you there. And it has other sleep podcasts you could check out because I do want you to get some sleep, whether it's the show or something else. So there's that. Uh, oh, so, yeah, not everybody likes me. But give it a few tries or not everybody even falls asleep at first because you say, why are you still talking? When do you get to the story? And I say, yeah, I work my way there very slowly because I'm putting you to sleep. So that's the other thing. Leading into that is the structure of the show throws people off because this show starts off, it has a different structure. It starts off with a greeting, friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. So you feel welcome. You feel seen. Then there's business like listener support, sponsors, that kind of stuff. That's how we're able to be here twice a week for you. Then there's an intro. The intro is about, uh, well, it's not about 12 minutes. It's usually like somewhere around 16 to 20 minutes or so. It goes to about 20, 22 minutes into the show. And that's where I introduce the podcast. Then after, and I'll go back, I'll talk a little bit more about the intro. But then after the intro is uh, more sponsor stuff that's tucked in between the intro and the story. And then it'll be our episodically modular series uh uh, journey into the land of tomorrow that you can listen to in any order because we catch you up at the beginning of the episode on everything that's ever happened. Or you could look at it like a prequel, like this, this is the first episode and anything that happened before it, you listen to later on, you say, oh, that's a prequel, that's a, a, a Genesis story or whatever. Then there's the thank yous at the end of the show. So that's a structured show. But the one part of the show that can throw people off is the beginning because it doesn't begin like a normal podcast or like you would think a sleep podcast would. But to the people it works for, it kind of makes sense. You know, so there's business and that kind of stuff because the podcast is free. I don't want it to be a part of a company or be behind a paywall. Then there's... Uh, uh, the the intro, oh, so the intro, but it, the intro goes on and on and on because you say, well, can't you just introduce the podcast and get to the story? And I say, I could, but you, like uh, it wouldn't work as well. We tried that and, and uh, we've tested out a lot. I've tested out a lot of different things over the years. And what I found is that having a nice intro eases most of the listeners into bedtime. It gives you some distance like the setting of the sun lets you set the day and leave it behind you. And then you could listen to the intro as you're getting ready for bed or doing something at bedtime, whether it's foam rolling or folding laundry or doodling or making tea cozies, whatever it is, uh, or just looking, you know, just lying there but not trying to sleep. You ever do that? I love that. Just lying around. Uh, one of the things they don't do often enough, uh, but so it, it just gives you it gives you a chance to wind down. Now you could skip it. You could start the show at twenty or twenty two minutes. About three percent of people that regularly listen to the show skip the intro, and then a, a few thousand people listen to like story only episodes on Patreon. But for the majority of people, they use the intro to either fall asleep to or to kind of get ready to fall asleep. Because those of us that have trouble sleeping, 
we've been promised a lot of different stuff, right? Uh, and you found, oh, that worked once or twice for me, but then after that it didn't work. Or, oh, I have this great bedtime routine, but it doesn't always work. And one of the things is just the carryover from the day or the distant past or the future. And my job is to take your mind off of that slowly. So that's why the intro goes on and on and on. The other thing that's important for me to tell you is that you're important. Your good sleep is important or you getting the rest you need is important because you deserve a good night's sleep. You deserve a place you can rest. You deserve a bedtime you don't dread because, oh boy, I've been there dreading bedtime and worrying about it. And if I can just like make it slightly less, you say, well, at least I got scoots there. So someone's there to keep me company, whatever happens. That's really the pinnacle of my job. Well, scoots will be there. Maybe I'll fall asleep fast, maybe I won't, but I'll have my boar bud to keep me company. And the other side of that is not only do you deserve a good night's sleep, if you get the rest you need, your world and my world, our world as a community will be a better place. But it's also, I know how it feels when, when you're dreading bedtime, and I don't want that for anybody. So those are all the things I want you to know. And then I guess I wanted you to know about my ear... Ear cups. So I have a pair of headphones that I've used, I guess, for almost the entire history of the podcast. I think I bought them when they were on sale, uh, maybe a few months into making the podcast or maybe a year or two in. I don't know. I've had them for a long time. And the, like, so when you record a podcast, you're listening while you're talking in the mic so that you can make sure with sleep with me that, that I've got my lulling, soothing tones going and that there's nothing that that I couldn't hear with my regular ear, like a, a plane or a boat or a car or a leaf blower or maybe some other noise. Uh, but it's also, it really helps me be here for you. I don't know. There's something about it uh, like that. I say, okay, now I'm in sleep with me mode and it's my job. Like it took a while. It takes a while to get used to hearing yourself while you talk. But so I've had these headphones for a long time, and they have ear pads. Oh, so when you buy headphones for a podcast, you don't have to spend a lot of money. You don't need fancy headphones, but you do want a pair of headphones that has, like, what they say is a flat response. And all that means is that it kind of sounds like the audio would sound with no effects added to it. So that way you say, oh, okay, this is when I'm listening. And I think that's probably more important with you when you're editing but so I've had these headphones for a long time, and they have a, like a flat response. And I've never switched them out, and I only use these for recording. I have another set of headphones that I use for editing. But and I have heard these head, headphones. I don't want to say the name of it just because I don't want to fall into any, uh, well, I don't know. Like they're the ATH-50s. So these are the ATH-50X uh and the only the X just means that the cord that attaches them you can replace very easily, which is nice. But I haven't had to replace that, and it's also really easy to replace the ear pad, the air ear pads. Now I haven't done it since I bought them. I remember I was talking to someone uh, Sharif that worked at ninety nine PI a long time ago, years ago, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, I just had to replace my ear pads on those." And I think he had bought the ones, the same ones on sale because uh, there was a sale because they had these ones that had their bright blue. And I guess no one wanted to buy them back, whatever this was, 2014. 
And uh, so I don't know. Like these earpads should have gone out earlier, I guess. Because let's see, I've recorded nine. So let's say I've recorded eight hundred episodes with these. That's like sixteen hundred recording sessions, plus any bonus stuff. So that's definitely four hundred record for two thousand recording sessions with these headphones on. What did I say? Two thousand, probably at least two thousand. I've worn these. Uh, to record episode, episode parts of episodes and stuff, but so all, all of a sudden, uh, like a couple weeks ago, or not even a couple days ago, I said, "Wait a second, these don't feel right anymore. There's something off about them." And it was just like what, not one of those things. That, I mean, they lost. I wouldn't wear these out of the house. The, their their look is not good. They look deteriorated, um, but they didn't feel deteriorated because it was just like the the outside material on them came off like a long time ago but the pad part has been there the whole time but all of a sudden like literally within a day within a couple of days they just stopped uh they started not feeling like if you're aware of the headphones or the earphones then just like if you're aware you're listening to yourself then it becomes distracting so i apologize for that uh it's a good distraction in the case of sleep with me because any distraction we can lean into we can, you know, soothe it down. So I'll replace those. Don't you worry. I mean, I will have a debate later about should I, which would be more distracting now for the next like four or five days till I get them replaced. Just the ear pads. But uh, is using a different set of headphones that might sound different and distract me? Because what if I have to change the headphone volume? That would be... Or just you, you just uh, going for it because they're not distracting right now. It's just when I first put them on, and I guess there's a life lesson there. Really, I'm not kidding because when I first put them on, I said, "Oh boy, these are bugging me," and they said, "Well, I could, at least I could talk about it on the podcast, be honest with the listeners, and see where that goes." I said, "Okay, we could do that," but then at like five or six minutes, I said, "Wait, these are still bugging me." Internally, I said that not on the podcast. And I said, there's no way I'm going to get through an hour with these on. But now they don't bother me at all. I'm used to them again. Sorry about that, headphones. But I'm sure you'd love to be spruced up with new ear cups. Maybe I could bronze the ones that are in there so they don't feel bad either. Or I could put you up, like, on the wall to watch over us. That's definitely what I'll do. Don't worry, ear pads. I'm not going to leave you behind. You've been with me this whole journey. So that's, I think that's it. I'm glad you're here. If you're, if you're new, obviously this is a very different podcast, but I'm really excited to try to take your mind off stuff, keep you company. I appreciate your time. I work hard, I yearn, and I strive to help you fall asleep. And here's a couple of ways I keep the show a-going. All right, everybody, welcome to our ongoing episodically modular series, uh, Journey into the Land of Tomorrow. And if you're this is your first episode, don't worry listening to it. Or let me try to put your anything, your concerns at ease, because you could consider every episode up until now a prequel. And you can fall asleep to those later. I'm going to get, well, the characters are going to catch you up on everything you need to know about the story. So that way, then you say, oh, okay, now I'm caught up with the story. Now I can start listening and either be distracted or fall asleep. 
But basically, what I did was somehow I acquired this audio from of friends playing a board game, well, a role-playing game, which is like, a, it's a board game in some sense, a bit like D&D. I think they, it's based on D&D 5th edition, which is a role-playing game where you're adventurers and it's a lot of theater of the mind. So they're playing that game and we're, we're listening in. Now they are playing it in a, like a, a timeline that we haven't reached yet or maybe on a timeline in the infinite universe. So it's a world very similar to ours. It's interesting, the world, the game, the players are playing in. It's not super important, but it's just another tangent that, that we have at our, uh, in our arsenal. Because you say Scoots why and I say, well, it kind of matters if you want to take your mind off stuff that the characters that we're listening to aren't in our world. They're in what would be a future world of ours, and they're playing it in the past, which is maybe our future, or a future in a world similar to ours on another infinite, like, like I said, on an infinite timeline. Well, it wouldn't be infinite. It would be one slice of the timeline. So it's a possible possibility that it's in our future. Uh, but either way, they're playing a game based on it, having fun. And it's very lulling and soothing. And, uh, yeah, I think that's it other than our celebrity announcer who's been with us virtually this whole season, even though we keep theater of the mind going, just like Antonio has been here in person Instead, he sits in his car for eight hours and pretends to drive here a little bit behind the curtain uh, and be, because he would to recreate the whole experience and then stays on the Zoom. Believe it or not, I can still hear him, even when his microphone's muted on Zoom in his garage or his driveway. I picture you with one of those... Um, like a not this isn't a judgment thing. I just picture a palatial estate with a fountain and a what is that called a roundabout or something. Now he's giggling, but uh, without further ado, our celebrity announcer, Mister Antonio Banderas. Uh, thank you, everybody. It was a friends beyond the binary, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. It's time to roll a twenty-sided die. And take a trip, a journey into the world of tomorrow. Yeah, rolling the dice, yes. Thanks, everybody. That's Mr. Antonio Banderas, and this is Journey into the World of Tomorrow. All right, is everybody settled? So whose turn is it to set everything up as Dungeon Master? I, I went last week as Zell. So is anybody... It's Eleanor's turn. Okay, so I'll go. Eleanor here, uh, Florentian nurse, and just to catch all everybody up, and I know the DM likes to do this. Also, I just wanted to note, thank you for agreeing that we hold the rules a little bit looser uh, in exchange for a little bit further game progression. I'm excited to test that out tonight. So I just wanted to I appreciate everyone that we were able to build consensus and, you know, so, oh, so Eleanor, I'm Eleanor, a healer, a Florencian nurse. I serve the three Florences, and I'll get to that in a moment. But I'm a, one of, I'm a member of a party of adventurers uh, made up of uh, Wada, a warrior, blue-collar warrior, 
working class warrior, as we've been calling Wada. Our other warrior or fighter or whatever, uh, battle bot, uh, Lord Von Chill, distinguished uh, and uh, proud, esteemed, full of esteem, steaming with esteem, uh, Lord Von Chill. Fleet of foot and nimble of finger is our, our listener, our explorer, our tracker down, our disarmer. And uh, just an all-around good person. Works for Lord Von Chill, so we can never forget that. Uh, Granada of Darmok. Oh, thank you, thank you. And finally, our wizard. Uh, technically, play, like a, non, a player, non-player character, I guess. Uh, assigned to us by the Council of Wizards. Wada, novice or acolyte. Short on words, uh, Big on heart, in my opinion. Wada. Or M. Wada, excuse me, I know. But I just like to call you Wada now that we've got to know one another. But, but uh, yeah, we're a party of adventurers on an, on an adventure. Actually, on a mission, we've accepted a mission guiding our adventure. We're here in what was once a grand-themed world in an, you know another time that has since been abandoned for a long time. And the council wizards uh, tasked us with sneaking into this world, which we have to remember that uh, we're supposed to be sneaking. Not that we haven't been, but uh, and to track down a portal or a gateway to another world, another world full of magic, both good and bad magic, and to seal that portal. We've also learned that we need to find... We found a gem that's part of a staff or a stave that we'll be using to close the portal, we think. We don't have all that. We're not working with all the information. And we've yet to find a little, like a, a wizard that's uh, uh, around, pre- present, uh, to, to tell us anything. But that's what part of the adventure. So we've been here. We've been searching former attractions in this part of the theme park. We're in the land of tomorrow. We've journeyed into the land of tomorrow. We're the only ones that we know of that know that the portal is in this land, though we don't know where the portal is or the last two pieces of the staff we're supposed to assemble. Uh, but we do know now that... Uh, after, you know, encountering that some of the uh, attractions in the park have come to life and some have worked with us, some have worked against us. At some point, I kind of lost my way as healer and nurse, uh, and I'm unable to heal. I haven't rested in quite a while, quite some time. I attempted to make peace with Zell uh, to uh, to reestablish my connection with the three Florences. Florence the Nightingale was the first one. Hopefully she's heard my calls and my prayers to her and my ability to humble myself and apologize and thank Zell for accepting my apology. And maybe I had some other motivations that uh, as a human being I have uh, and some things I just don't understand about Zell's relationships. uh, Wait a second, Lord Von Chill here. Oh, so anyway, yeah, you're right, Lord Von Chill. I should pick up on that. So I do need to establish a connection with the other two Florences in order to restore my healing, but I'm also a nurse, and we're here in the uh, 
the handy hallways beneath the theme park where the utilities went on and cast members and characters would change into their wardrobes. In fact, we've been hiding here in the wardrobe for just a little while, trying to come up with a plan, which we're working on, I guess, right now, of what to do next. We we know there's a clinic down here. Is the clinic stocked? Uh, we don't know. It would be good, though, because then I could do some basic nursing and, like, healing later. Uh, we know that we just encountered Tick and Tack, uh, two chipmunk, uh, so there was animatronics inside of uh, uh, plush character suits, and we had to deal with them. It was quite an encounter. And something else ran off. Granada of Darmok has, uh, there's one hallway that's blocked off, but we could hear things. And so right now, right, right in this moment, our mission is to, we think that we could find uh, that Granada of Darmok has found a, some sort of uh, passageway or ductway to the clinic around this group. But we're going to try to figure out what this group is, how many uh, opposite, like, we, we know there's someone that, a group of uh, characters that may not want to do it, wish us well, that are aware of our presence here, and that we're probably connected with Tick and Talk, uh, who we just dealt with. And so we have to we have to get to the clinic. We're also we know that the gem that it's part of the staff we recovered is leading us in the same general direction. Though Wada thinks it's not the exact same direction. Yes, yeah, same general direction. So maybe we'll exit around the clinic from these handy hallways beneath the uh, the land of tomorrow. So I think that's it. Is anybody Granada? What do you think is our plan? Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. We know that, the, according to the map, there's a locker room right down the hall. We also know that, uh, yeah, there's some sort of group uh, through the server room and through a few other rooms, uh, and they've been warned of our presence, we think, warned. So we could. what I'm thinking is I listen at the door of the locker room, then I attempted to go into the locker room with stealth. So hopefully we succeed at these things and see if there's anything in the locker room. But I'm guessing by the map uh, that either we'll find something in the locker room or the room beyond. Maybe I could find a way to listen in or something. There's Because there's another duct uh, also in the locker room that I don't think I should go down because I think it'd be noisy, but maybe I could use that to listen in. And uh, then we could assess things just to see. Maybe we should just go in and, and deal with these uh, other characters, but we don't know and we're not all healed. So we're in a state of disarray a bit. Okay, versus going and just going, trying to find that ductway to the clinic. What is the, why, why would, like, what's the, well, we'll know what we're dealing with uh, because they could come up behind us uh, and they, or they could be waiting in the clinic, you know. So that's my thoughts. I, everybody in agreement? That sounds like a pretty good plan. Yes, uh, just down to chance now. Okay, uh so I think I understand your plan as Dungeon Master, and you get an amazing role. 
So Granada of Darmac goes down the hallway by, by Granada's self, uh, opens the door to the locker room, which was unlocked uh, very stealthily, does not make a sound, enters the locker room, which is dark, and uh, but Gr- Granada senses that there's nothing else there. And Granada was right. Granada gets up on a bench. Everything down here is in very good condition. It's dusty and a little bit not, you know, great, but because it's been sealed off from the elements, uh, the locker room's a bit like uh, it was left, which wasn't a normal work day. Again, I'm getting off topic. But Granada stands up, uh, quietly gets up by the vent and does listen and listens for a while and hears characters talking back and forth. Uh, one, they say, put your suit back on. So Granada's able to infer that whatever was uh, raced out was uh, was an animatronic maybe that's putting on some sort of suit. Uh, and Granada, in addition to that voice, those two voices... Granada suspects that there's maybe three. Uh, so Granada hears between five, somewhere between four and seven voices, distinct voices. Can't be sure more than that, except that you said five. So Granada hears four, between four and seven voices. Okay, so I'll uh, do I successfully sneak back and I'm telling everybody this? That's what happened? Yes. Okay, so I don't think we, like, those tick and tack, if there's five to seven or even four, uh, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, us take, you know, five on five. They were, uh, that would be, we need to avoid it, I think. Yeah, this is Zell. I agree. I agree. As much as I don't want to back down, I think we need to use our brains. Lord Von Chill, I can see you. This is... uh, Okay, well, I'm open, I guess. Lord Vunchil's open. So is Granada. Granada. What do you think? Well, I think I should leave in a, like, uh, we should try to lock that door. I should also put a little surprise on that door, but also particularly a surprise that makes a lot of noise, which I do have. It won't do much damage, but it, it'll, it'll, uh, it'll, it'll make a lot of noise. So we'll know if anybody comes through that door. And hopefully it'll make them think twice, because uh, it'll go off before they even try to unlock the door, and it shouldn't damage the door. Okay, why don't you see if you could do that? I would like to, I'm going to put these things on the door that I have, uh, the works of Popper, Popper, uh, Popper Trappers. Okay, you're successful at relocking the door and doing that. Well, I'm really rolling good, huh? Yeah, you were successful. Okay, well, I don't mean to shoulder everything, but I think I should continue down this hallway that goes uh, east, correct? To due east. uh, And uh, after the locker room, according to the map, there's two more rooms. uh, And the first room, I can't really read the writing to something, but that's where the doctor should be to the, the clinic. So I think I should go down the hall, see if those doors are open or closed, and see what I can see. Okay, I don't know if you should go. This is Zell. I'll go with you. Can I go with you, or should we all go together? Yeah, this is Lord Von Chill. I think we should uh, 
we should we should go together, but uh, Eleanor and I, with Wada in the middle, just watching in case that door. The yeah, we should all go together, but spaced out in the hall. Okay, so you go down the hall, and you see that uh, both doors are closed. There's two rooms next to each other, and both doors are closed. And then further down the hall is blocked. It's a total uh, cave-in, so you can't definitely cannot go any further at all, period. Yeah, that was on the map even. So should we try to open this first door, or l- let's listen at the doors? Okay, so you listen at the doors and you don't hear any, you hear like maybe a little bit clicking, but nothing else. Which door? The, the first door. Okay, interesting. A clicking, everybody. Okay, let's see. This is, uh, let's see if the door, can we get the door open? Uh, can we see if it's locked? Uh, the doors, you don't think the door's locked. Okay, should I, like, ease the door open and then try to see if we can figure out what the clicking is and if anything else is in there? Yeah, I go, yeah, does everybody, everybody's nodding. Okay, so I try to do that. Okay, so you open the door, and the door's in great condition. You turn the knob, it opens, you ease the door open. You didn't really look around the door, but now you can't help but notice that it says, uh, that it says animatronic storage on there, and you open it up, uh, uh, and you notice that uh, the, the the room is filled with uh, animatronic parts, like kind of spare parts. There's a couple benches, but they are pushed up against the walls, and a lot of the spare parts are just piled in the middle of the room. And we're talking all sorts of parts, legs, uh, like robotic ones, arms, uh, torsos, uh, uh, other things. It just kind of looks like a, it's a pretty large pile. And it definitely looks like at some point in the past, not the recent past, uh, there were people working on it and uh, they had piled it there for a reason and then you notice the clicking, which is like one hand or arm off to the side. is just the, the fingers are tapping on the floor. Okay, and where is the duct? If I'm standing in the doorway, everyone's behind me ready, right? Yes, yeah, so everyone's behind you. The duct you could see uh, is up uh, 10 feet off the ground directly across from you. And you're gonna need, you would need to kind of cross a room and, and get something or get on somebody's shoulders or something to see anymore. Okay, everybody be ready because I don't like this. Uh, and I know how this DM works. Uh, so we are ready and we all enter the room together, spread out immediately. If you don't mind me taking control, everybody, and... Uh, uh, with the intention of slowly crossing the room cautiously, moving one of the tables, and then uh, accessing the duct if everything goes fine. Okay, as you enter the room a little bit further and proceed cautiously, the tapping stops, uh, and then uh, you all pause, and then you wait, and then nothing happens, and then you cautiously start to move again. And as soon as you do a, uh, 
like a collection of arms and legs uh, kind of like pops up from the ground and lands on a a table closest to Zell. So it jumps like about four or five feet across the room from the pile. It's large, uh, a bit like an exoskeleton, and it is clearly uh, does not have good intentions for you or your party. Okay, well, uh, let's roll for initiative and let's take it. I don't think we lose anything by taking it out uh, with precautions. Do we have any idea, just from a quick initial standpoint, what it's going to do? It has a couple legs that are legs and arms, so it looks like it could, it does have a little bit of range. Um, but other than that, you don't know. But you are a bit quicker. Zell and Lord Von Chill rush right into action. Then the uh, the Crawlatronic, crawl, crawl and then Eleanor, uh, Granada, and Wada would be who would go when. Okay, uh, so let's just go, let's just do it. Uh, so Zell, you get an eight plus four, which is twelve, and you you swing and uh, does nothing. Lord Von Chill, though, uh, like has a direct strike with uh, Lord Von Chill's axe. Yes, uh, I think that's what I have. I I don't know why we can't remember this kind of stuff. So you do, you land a, you you get a natural 20. So you do nine plus three and then, oh, two plus three. Oh boy, bummer. So, but that's still a pretty good total. And yeah, you did it right in the middle of the the center of it. uh, But then it comes back and uh, it has a multi-attack. It gets a 19 and 17. Yeah, so it uses one of its outfolding legs and does six on Lord Von Chill, hits you in the breast uh, plate, uh, and seven, it kind of hit, hits, uh, uh, hit, hits you in your torso. Uh, but it also, because it was like a metal on metal, it like vibrates in a way uh, that uh, Lord Von Chill, you, you're like, uh, it... Uh, it, you, you're not going to be able to go. You're not going to be able to do anything next round. Well, that's too bad. Eleanor misses. Granada misses. Wada does a thunder wave, uh, which does twelve, and knocks it off the table. So it gives you a little bit of sp- space. You immediately go into your next round. Zell goes very swiftly and does uh, eleven. So this thing must be very powerful. It's still functioning. It's still functioning quite well. Uh, it rolls to 17 and a 14 natural. Uh, but it uh, it gets a 4 on Wada. And also Wada, like, so it uses that same leg thing that it used on Lord Von Chill. And Wada's, like, uh, stunned for a round. And then it gets a little slashy-poo on Zell for 4. Oh, man. Uh, and then Eleanor gets a 13. That does a plus your bonuses of five on the uh, crawler. Granada has an 18, which does a four. And uh, that's the end of that round. And then we go, Zell, you go, you don't even wait. And then you get an 18 and you like uh, go down on it and it just bursts into all like uh, 
whatever you hit it with is so so powerful that it breaks into pieces. Okay, uh, can we close the door uh, now that we're... Uh, okay, I'll, Granada, I'll close the door. Okay, so is everybody mostly okay? We're down. We're all down. Are any of us in single digits? Uh, you're all pretty close to single digits, but you're all still in double-digit hit points. At least that I can see. Yeah, as Dungeon Master, I say, yeah. Okay, but that's still not great. Um... Uh, Granatic, like, can we search uh, and see if we find it? So it's just parts and stuff, but we're looking. Oh, we got to check the vent. Uh, but let's search the room first. Do we find anything, and how well are we going to search? Wazel, you you all search. You particularly, uh, you don't find anything of value or any healing things, but you do find some piece of paper inside you started to check, like, within these things, because they seem to, like, uh, you see a piece of paper that's uh, crumbled and folded. That looks like, you know, on the kind of paper a wizard would use, like papyrus, uh, that you hold on to. Okay, uh, and then uh, can I check that vent? Can I listen at that vent? Uh, can we pile two tables up uh, to get to the vent easily? Yeah, so you pile two tables, you climb up on them with the support of your team, and uh, you open up the the grate, and you notice that, like, one foot in, uh, the vent is just c- c- collapsed uh, or blocked. It's impenetrable. You can't, can't see anything beyond there, and you can't hear anything. Can I not hear anything because there's nothing here but, but, or because I just couldn't hear anything? Because you just couldn't hear anything. No one could hear. None. Of, no one in your party is able to determine anything else. Okay. Well, what's on that paper? Okay. So Zell opens up the paper, and it's got some symbols on it. Uh, something that looks like a moon, and uh, it's tough to say what else. Okay. Well, who has skills that could determine it? Wada does. Uh, it's like paper from a magic user, maybe. Okay, Wada looks it over and says, yeah, this is some sort of, uh, I, Wada does not know. Wada says, okay, well, this is a crescent. Uh, and then says something about a crescent plus something that, that Wada can't quite understand uh, equals... Uh, uh, and then she says, this is kind of, I think this represents like a charm spell, a basic charm spell. So is this a, uh, is this Zell asking, like, is this some sort of, uh, is this like a spell? Uh, no, no, it's like an instruction for something, I think. That's what uh, Wada says. Okay. Uh, is there anything else on the paper? Yeah, you flip it over. And now you need to, okay, Eleanor, this is Eleanor. I still can look up some stuff, right? I still have, I'm good at that. Okay, so Eleanor, you work with me here because you look at the back and you say, well, that looks, uh, that looks like something like, uh, it looks like it's a drawing of something else, like something representative of something that I connect with, uh, 
It looks like, uh, okay, I know, this is Eleanor. I don't know where you're getting at, DM. It looks like a machine and someone fixing a machine. That's a stick figure fixing a machine. So you feel something, Eleanor. Oh, because of Florence and the machine. Oh, yeah, Florence of the machine. Oh, maybe this is my opportunity to reconnect with Florence of the machine. So this person is fixing the machine. And if we assume, at least at this time, that it's connected with uh, what's on the other side, I don't know. Okay, so for the time being, that's all you know. And I, I would say to get, let that air out. Uh, thanks a lot, DM. No, no, really, just let it air out. You, you'll figure it out eventually, I think. Will we definitely figure it out eventually, or you don't know? Uh, you, We'll see. Okay, so we can't get through. This is Eleanor, so we can't get through the... So we either have to go back... Might as well check that next room, right? Yeah, let me run out of here. Let me check the hall, make sure it's clear. Okay, you check the hall, it's clear. Okay, let me look, listen at the next doorway. Okay, you listen at the next doorway and you test the knob. The door is locked, uh, but you didn't hear anything at all. Okay, so I'll. Un oh, do, can I check to see if there's any signs? Uh, uh, or anything on the map that I wasn't, that I would say what's in this room. Yeah, so it looks like it says, it looks like it's been replaced a few times, the the, the tag on the door, but it says something like, uh, what you could say is like dance, test, and phase. Uh, okay, and how hard is it for me to open, the, unlock the door? V very easy, you unlock the door easily. Okay. And as my as everybody gathered behind me, I'm gonna open the door and, and look in and try to see if there's anything we need to worry about because I didn't hear anything. Oh, can we check? Uh, is there a certain order? What are we at? Uh, actually, I have it here: eleven, ten, ten. Okay, so Lord Von Chill goes in. And, uh, you, uh, there's nothing, there's nothing in there that catches your attention as far as, uh, defensively, but what does catch your attention is this, you enter this strange room. It's very long to the, to the right, to the east, about the size of three rooms. And there's like a, there's a dance floor, but it's a mechanic, it has a, all these like uh, like tracks in it, and then there's animatronics on the tracks uh, bolted to things, and all the animatronics are dressed up in like futuristic party outfits, uh, and it's kind of like a future that was like popular at different times, but like I would say the 1950s in the United States and the 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 old world. And it kind of looks like a, a dance party. Okay, well, I'm 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 wondering about these animatronics. Am I catching anything that should I should be alert about? No, you're you're. There's no. You don't have any intrinsic sense of. Uh, you feel you feel secure right now. 
like I feel confident, like I rolled a, like 15 or something secure. Yeah, you did, see? Okay, thank you. Okay, so everybody else come in the room. So everybody else comes in the room, and yeah, you start to kind of notice uh, there's some, like, seating where people are watching it. There's, like, some control panels. I don't know. You're just kind of struck by it. also looks very good, like there maybe there was an actual airflow out of this room even. Okay, do we see any airflow, like ducks we could go in? Uh, all the ducks in this room are very small, circular ones, so no. Okay, well, that's all you mentioned that because well, I was just mentioning that everything looks really good in the room. Okay, well, this is Eleanor. Can we search the room? Okay, so you all start to search the room, and this is what you determine. There's pictures, there's a couple of journals. So you do spend a little bit of time, but you're just trying to do it as swiftly as you can, is my sense. And what you're able to establish as a group is that this was was originally, uh, there's some personal notes you've uncovered. So this was originally a, uh, uh, like, a, like a show that they were preparing for. It was going to be a stage show. There was going to be dancing, animatronics, and uh, like an instructor. But then you look at the pictures, also the pictures that you'd seen in the wardrobe before, and you realize that uh, after the beginning of the fall, there was employees living down here as a community, and that they would hold dances, and they would dress up and dance, uh, sometimes in this uh, 1950s future period costume and sometimes other costumes, and they would uh, share, have a shared experience of closeness, uh, dancing together, partying together, and dancing with the animatronics even, uh, kind of as like an escape. Uh, in, in, the, in the pictures, they even seem joyful. And there's some writings about that and some writings about, you know, the work they were doing Uh and, but we don't, like, that's kind of, oh, and then uh, Eleanor is walking across the room and stubs her toe as she tries to pass one of the animatronics and, and it stubs her toe on a big bolt. Uh, and that's when you notice, oh, all the animatronics are kind of bolted to this, uh, I don't know, the, the, the way they dance is uh, they could move their legs and stuff, but they're also bolted so they could spin really quickly. Okay, I guess I stubbed my toe on a bolt, and that's important. And if it's important, it has to do with the last note, which was someone repairing a machine on the back. Uh, and on the other side was a crescent moon and a charm spell and something else. Is the person fixing a machine, do they have something in their hand? Did I notice that? You did notice there's something in their hand. Is it a crescent wrench? It is a crescent wrench. Like the crescent wrench we have on us uh, that we found in Buzz, Buzz Tomorrow. When you say that, Wada says, wait a second, you're right. We do have that wrench, the magical wrench. Uh, and you're right. I think I can now make sense of this. If we use the wrench, I think this is a charm spell for the animatronics. 
okay, like the charm spell that's been making them uh, functional, do you think? Or what's your sense? Like, is that what, is this what's causing our trouble? No, no, this is a very basic charm spell. It's interesting. Maybe it has to do with these people. Is there any pictures of, or maybe the wizards? I think the wizards have led us here somehow. But no, it's a basic charm spell. So I sense is, and I can, it seems like it's pretty easy to make it work because of the power, the magical power, the wrench is a magical item. So I don't even have to use that much of my power. That we could, that, that, uh, the animatronics would kind of, uh, follow some basic commands, like almost like an imitation spell, like a director, like if one of us could direct them. Okay, I don't understand at all. This is Eleanor. Does anybody else understand? Okay, this is Wada and the DM. So the wrench, I can make some of these animatronics do what we want, kind of. Okay, this is Granada. So we can make them uh, become like non-player characters and, uh, you know, in our, uh, like, kind of using battle. No, the spell isn't that strong. We could use them, but they wouldn't, um, like, I can't. I think Eleanor and Lord Von Chillen, Zell, and New Granada could probably figure it out. I can basically, we can give them basic instructions. Lord Von Chill here, I'm thinking that we could have, so we could give them basic instructions like follow us or walk like us. Could we have them walk in front of us? Yeah, yeah, you could, we could do that. Okay, this is Zell. Could we teach them? Like, okay, how many? So we're five to seven in the other room. We have to get to the clinic. So how many, what do we have here? How many animatronics are in this room that we seem, that are bolted to the floor? Uh, it looks like uh, you, if you were to do it, you'd around 15. Okay, so let's... Uh, can we start uh, charming them and testing it out uh, while we start charming them? Because what if we uh, have them crowd? Like that's a technique we used to use in uh, w w w in my training is uh, a, a crowd rush. So we have them, like us five, rush one of the whatever we're, we're expecting in these other this next room, and we have them rush all the other characters. Do you think we could do that, Wada? Yeah, I mean, there's 15, so I think that's, uh, that sounds like a, a plan. Okay, how much damage do you think these could take? I don't think very much, but I think that that's a plan worth trying, and I'm starting to charm them as we speak, and, you know, for time's sake, I have them all detached, and yeah, they'll basically follow us. The only thing is we don't look like, they do look, they are animatronics, uh, Okay, this is Granada here. What if we dress? We all dress up in wardrobe. Uh, I noticed that there was uh, like those dress. The, the, well, I, I just was looking. There was caroling dresses. I noticed, and there was a lot of those. Were there? there were there Granada? Okay, yeah, sure. There's a. 
35 caroling dresses of different sizes. Okay, so let's all dress and dress all of them in caroling dresses. Okay, so you dress everyone in caroling dresses. Somehow you do this quietly, and then what are you going to do? Oh, go into the lock. Well, we obviously got dressed in the locker room quietly. So I would say, uh, well, they can't. Can they sing? Could they carol? Maybe I shouldn't have dressed us as carolers. They cannot sing. Okay. Uh, Zell. Okay. What if we remember that thing they told us about, like the conga line? That was a form of dancing. Lord Von Chilly, you have the most hit points. So what if you go first in a conga line and we all try to enter the room as a group, uh, all, whatever, 20 of us, and then Wada, you seem to have the charm. I don't understand how the charm works, and I don't want to understand. What if you have, we'll go to the furthest, or how about this? Uh, we enter the room if we see what we see, but we enter it as a conga line. Wada, you do a thunder wave if you can. And as soon as you do the thunder wave, then we'll go to the person the furthest east, uh, whatever is furthest east, and you have them crowd everybody but the furthest east uh, opposition. So furthest to the right. Okay, let's do that. Okay, so dungeon dungeon master here. So... If I understand it, you're going to enter the room. You're going to see what you see. If you see something, then you'll roll for initiative, I guess. Uh, unless you have the power, unless for some reason it's a surprise. Well, will like if Lord Von Ch- can Lord Von Chill roll to see how good? Like if you saw twenty caroling animatronics, uh, would that bias time just to have Wada? cast a thunder wave huh um yeah let's roll a 20 okay okay yeah that helps that was 18 i hope it helps okay so just yeah it helps okay so lord von chill what's the order i think we should all be towards the front but let's do lord von chill uh, let's randomize it. So Lord Von Chill, two dancers, then me, then uh, one dancer, then Wada, then two dancers, then Granada, uh, then like uh, a bunch of dancers, then Eleanor. Okay. So I'm going to do this in kind of slow motion, fast motion. So you go into the room, you open the door, you're conga lining. Uh, you're shaking your hips. Uh, the animatronics are able to kind of follow along, and you've done a good job at pretending you're animatronics. Uh, and you go into a room, and in the room are five plush uh, characters. They're all duck. They're all dressed as ducks. Uh, uh, there's Quacky the duck, M- Mrs. Scrooge, uh, Desiree. Louise and Helene, uh, they're from a show. Oh, yeah, they're from that show, uh, uh, Tales of the Ducks. Yeah, they're from the show Tales of the Ducks. Okay, so they all are obviously, even though they're animatronics within plush, uh, or whatever characters, seeing 20 
five animatronics go in the room, they do have to pause because they're not sure. Because there's so many animatronics, they're not able to process uh, that you're humans, at least initially. And Wada casts uh, Thunder Wave. They were kind of spread out. Uh, Quacky is on the right, uh, so that would be who you'd be targeting. But uh, Wada casts Thunder Wave and actually uh, works out. I'll just do the, the, the um, initiative two. So it actually works out Wada, Granada, Zell, uh, Quacky. Lord Von Chill, Mrs. Scrooge, Eleanor, and then Louise, uh, Helene, and Desiree, the ducks. Uh, so, Wada casts Underwave. It does uh, eight on uh, two and five. So, it does eight on. Um, Sorry, this one, this is just a big math part. So it does, uh, on Mrs., uh, it does eight on Mrs., uh, Scrooge and, uh, Helene. And then it does four on, uh, Quacky and the other two ducks. Okay. And we all go after Quacky together, expecting that they're going to be tough, uh, and okay, so you do so you successfully surround Quacky, and actually, much like in the movies with other crowding, they do they the room is separated now with uh 15 or whatever dancers uh, surrounding the four other ducks. Of course, these ducks look like they mean business, uh, and uh, Granada goes next, uh. And does nine on Quacky. Zell, 18. Wow, you do uh, 10 on Quacky. Quacky goes back uh, and uh, goes after Eleanor. And we'll return to this, but Quacky has a beak and uh, a flapper, like a, a sh- they all the ducks do, a sharper flapper, like its wings, arms. Uh, but it beaks Eleanor for um, four, but it also has a properties. We can discuss it later. It's not going to have an immediate impact. Great. I just had one refining question, not to take away from this action, but do I feel closer to Eleanor the machine after figure, helping figure that out? Or, or Florence the machine? You do. You feel very connected to Florence the machine and Florence the nightingale. Okay, thank you. Okay, then Lord Von Chill, 14 on, on uh, Quacky. Uh, uh, then Mrs. Uh, uh, Scrooge takes out a dance, one dancer, Eleanor, 20. And you end Quacky. Uh, then another one of the ducks takes out one of the, one dancer with its uh, wings. Then another duck takes out a dancer with its beak, and then El, whatever the last duck takes out a, a dancer with its beak. Uh, so you're down to eleven dancers, and Eleanor, you've taken a little bit of a hit. Uh, then the next round. Uh, 
Wada, there's now there's no chance you can't do thunder. Wada can't do thunder wave, but does second level magic missile, and uh, that does uh, six damage on misses. Uh, oh, oh, sorry, yeah, Wada. I guess decided that you're going after Mrs. Scrooge next. Granada, you get ten plus five, so it's a six. You do six. Zell, you get three. You miss. Lord Von Chill misses with a six. Um, and then Mrs. Scrooge, eighteen and fifteen. So they both goes after Lord Von Chill. Oh no, Eleanor! It gets uh, it does five total on Eleanor, but it already it successfully beaked you. Eleanor, fourteen. So you do six back on her. Uh, then, uh, the, the three sister ducks, uh, they managed to take out, uh, five dancers between the three of them. And, uh, Mrs. Scrooge seems like hobbled, but not out. Uh, Wada does actually magic missiles, takes out Mrs. Scrooge successfully. And Granada, you're, you lead the next one. Okay, let's take on, uh. Who's the next one in the the order? Uh, Helene, right? Okay, so you get a, a 14. Oh, I'm going to use a sneak attack, too. Okay, so you do um, 12 total between your attacks on uh, Helene. Zell's a 17, 11 on Helene. Okay, this is Lord Von Chill. I'm going to do my accent search then. Okay, so you 14, 19. Okay, so you take out. That's the end of Helene. Okay, so Eleanor, okay, I'll just go after, what is it, Helene, Louise, uh, okay, you got a one. Okay, then Helene takes out one da- dance, oh no, Helene gets Lord Von Chill with a wing for five. Louise uh, takes out one dancer, and Desiree takes out one dancer, oh no, two, two, two dancers. So you're losing dancers pretty fast. Uh, then Wada, next round, does uh, five, three, no, five on, uh, who are you going to, Helene, Louise, right? Uh, oh, Helene's gone. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, DM. Okay, well, it's just a lot for me to know. Uh, Granada gets a two. Okay, so this is L. I'm going to use my action surge. Okay, so you got an 8, but your action surge is a 17. Oh, but you're 8 with your bonus. So, yeah, you got did 16 total on uh, uh, Luis. Uh, okay, Lord Von Chill. Okay, you got Okay, with your bonuses, you, wow, you so you did uh, 18. Um, No, that's not right. Oh, okay. No, that's because it's a 19. Okay, so you did 13 and 18. And Helene's gone. Or Louise. Helene's already gone. Louise is gone. Eleanor does 12 on uh, Desiree. Uh, then Desiree takes out two more dancers. But it's just Desiree left, right? Yeah, okay. Uh, Wada, just not, not successful. Granada, you do seven on Desiree. Zell, you get a 15, so you get eight on Desiree. 13 for Lord Ventil. So that's seven. 
Eleanor got a five. Uh, and, okay, then uh, Desiree takes over, takes out last dan- last set of dancers. Uh, Wada, no, Gren- oh, and Granada finishes off uh, Desiree. And you're all, like, in the, obviously, you're all, like, sweating. Uh, you can't believe it. Uh, but actually, the, the, one thing that catches Eleanor's eye is that one of the dancers actually is okay. It just needs to be picked up. And, Eleanor, you, you pick up the dancer and, and you kind of you just do a couple plugs and stuff, and it's back together. And what do you think you would do with that dancer? Well, I would think I would start singing, and as Eleanor, I would start singing and dancing with it, with the joy in my, with the adrenaline, and the joy in my heart, uh, and I would start caroling, and I would encourage. Then I'd start. Then I'd say, Zell, what it, could could I have this dance with you?" And I would spin and dance with Zell, and then Granada, and then Wada. And then Lord Von Chill, and then the dancer, and then Zell again. And I think I would feel the power of the three Florences flowing back through me, like slowly refilling me with power and the ability to rest soon. Yeah, while you do that, Granada, what, what do you do other than dance? Well, I'm dancing joyfully. Well, would you want to check? Okay, so I'll check uh, the rest of the hall. Okay, so you go down the hall. You see, there's like a sealed entrance uh, from the, it's in, it's sealed from the inside, like at the end of the hall out. Uh, so that's secure. And then you, the clinic door is actually like really well locked, with like an improvised door, with a padlock on it, that you're not able to get open. Okay, well, uh. Well, I'll search for the key then. Okay, so, oh, wow. I didn't think you'd find the key that fast, but you find the key uh, hidden in the last room you were in, which was like a break room, cafeteria. You find it on top of one of the old vending machines. The vending machines don't have anything in them. I think I would have found it in the change return slot, to be honest with you. Yeah, that. oh, no, that's what I meant. That is where you found it. So you open up the clinic and you see that the clinic is not fully stocked, uh, but it's actually like a, a pretty big. And you say, wait a second, I could lock the door from the inside as well as outside with this padlock. So after the dancing subsides, you all go in there. And there are some kits, some healing, some nursing supplies, uh, medical supplies, but mostly there's be- there's cots. There's some fresh water. There's some rations. Uh, so you lock yourselves in there and get comfortable. And you can all feel the flow of energy from the f- Actually, it's so powerful that you all, before you even go to rest, you re- half of your hit points that you lost are restored because you could feel the passionate energy flowing from Eleanor and the three Florences. And uh, you all get comfortable and you rest uh, until next week uh, when we journey again into the land of tomorrow.